Good morning. Oh, that's kind of echoey. We are a small group today. I'm going to wait for Jonathan to take care of my hot mic. All good? Great. How is everyone today? Just like such a small crew between people sick and people traveling and um, I'm gonna set this back here for now. Okay. So this morning I still feel really echoey. Is that echoey, Jonathan? Sorry, I'm gonna keep talking, keep saying hot mic, hot mic until it is it fine or should I go the handheld? I'm good? All right, thank you. Okay, so I thought the Lord was going one way with what I was going to speak about this week, and then it wasn't. So we're talking about hunger, thirst, and living water. And so it's going to be a little more freeform. We'll see. That hasn't always gone well for me, but I trust the Lord for what he, <laughs> for what he has today. Um. So we're going to start with um, in turning on the pointer. And really all of this is just what I have on my heart and what's stirring within me. And I just want to call you guys to it. So um, it starts out, uh, so Jesus, obviously he was healing. There was the feeding of the 5,000. People came for the feeding of the 5,000 because they'd seen Jesus heal and they'd seen the miracles that had happened. So they came to him, and as they were coming to him, um, Jesus said, you know, told his disciples to feed him. They said, how are we, you know, going to do that? It'd take half a year's wages even for them just to have a bit. And um, that's when Jesus multiplied the, um, the five barley loaves and the two fish and so these people, um, more than 5,000, because that was just 5,000 men. So these people had seen him healing, and they'd seen him multiply the fish. And they were so um, in awe and wonder about the, the feeding and the multiplication of the fish and the loaves that um, they're like, who is this man? Maybe he's the prophet to come. And uh, so Jesus, knowing that they wanted to... Uh, make him king by force, left that area. He went up on a mountain to pray. His disciples took a boat and they went across the lake to the other side. And that's when it was stormy. And Jesus um, walked out across the, the lake and the disciples were scared. And he called to them and said, don't be afraid. It's me. And they called him and he went into the boat and they went to the other side. So then the next morning, the people, the crowd that had been there for the feeding um, of all the, the bread and the fish, they said, you know, they, they were like, they had seen the disciples leave the night before, but they hadn't seen Jesus go with them. And then when they heard that Jesus was on the other side too, they went over to the other side. And Jesus, um, Jesus said to them, um, you know, that you just came over here because you basically because you had your bellies filled because you um, not because you had seen the people healed, but because your bellies were filled. You're looking for more food. You're looking for more free 
physical food. And Jesus said to them, um, you know, then in the, uh, John chapter 6, um, I'm kind of summing up between verses 32 and 65, but if you want to go back later and read more of it, I'm just going to do a few of the verses. Um, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And, um, and the people said to him, they said, Moses, um, when the people, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, Moses, um, you know, prayed to God and God sent manna from heaven to feed us. What's the sign that you'll give us? You know, kind of like, hint, hint, you can give us some more bread from heaven, you know, like manna. And uh, Jesus said to them, uh, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And um, he kind of goes through saying this a few times, you know, and he's telling them, I, you know, this bread that you had before, Jesus, God's, Yahweh's sent this bread again, but it's me. And if you want to be filled and you want to have life, it's me. And you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And to them, even to us today, that can sound odd. What does that mean? And Jesus is saying, you have to um, take part in me, me within you. And my blood then, you know, they couldn't, you didn't drink the blood of animals because the life was in the blood. And Jesus is saying, my blood, because I am the lamb, I'm the bread, uh, my blood is your life. And so take that um, within you. And so many were offended by this, and they stopped following him then. So, you know, he had his 12 disciples, but there was also this great crowd of people um, and other disciples that followed him. And many disciples stopped following him at that time. And people just wanted their bellies filled, and they weren't hungry for the Messiah. And those, even amongst the religious, um, there were those that missed the Messiah and those that saw the Messiah. And it was the ones that were hungry that saw the Messiah. Um, in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Um, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So just as the Israelites complained in the desert and wanted to go back to full bellies and comfort in Egypt, even though they were slaves, so the disciples wanted what was comfortable or what they'd been known and what they'd been taught over these strange teachings from Jesus. So how does this relate to us now? Are we looking to Jesus just to have our bellies filled, just to have our needs taken care of? 
which he'll do. But he says, oh, there's so much more. I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will live forever in the presence of the living God. Life is more than food or drink. Get hungry for me. Haven't I told you that the Lord cares for you more than the sparrows that he feeds and the lilies that he dresses? Don't worry about these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be. Are you thirsty for his living water? That is his spirit. Um, When we've eaten of Jesus, the spirit which is living water dwells deep within us. The spirit is a well that springs up into eternal life. When we don't seem to see the spirit stirring and moving within us, what do we do? Are we thirsty for more of the spirit of Jesus that dwells within us? Are we thirsty for the Holy Spirit to move in a tangible way? Are we thirsty for the fruits of the spirit to flow out of us? Are we thirsty for pruning and the tough things that mature us? I, um, I'm thirsty, if you can't tell. I'm thirsty. I was, um, I'm going to try not to cry this morning because I just want to cry when I think about it. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Samaritan woman right now, but in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. And he's talking about the people of Israel, but that, I think, applies to us today and applies to the church today. Have we forsaken our spring of living water? A cistern is something that holds water. It's not the fresh water. It gives you water, but it's not life. It's not fresh, good water. And is your cistern even broken? We want the living water. Jeremiah seventeen thirteen. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. In Revelation 21.6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Now, a lot of this the water of life, you know, it's talking about eternal life. 
I'm just going to bring all of this tissues over here. He's talking about eternal life and the spirit living within us. And that starts now. And I kind of thought about this for a while as far as, okay, so when we come to him and we have Jesus and we have, when we come to Jesus, we have his spirit dwelling within us. So we were thirsty for him. He gave it to us and we are satisfied. So how can I still be thirsty? But I think it's part of, we have not seen the fullness of that. So until we see the fullness of that, we're still going to have that thirst within us for more of God. Because there's more. We just can't be complacent. So in my thirst, Psalm 143.6, I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. A parched land. I'm coming out of feeling a few years back and the years before that, until a few years ago, I felt like a parched land, very dry. And what happens when water's poured out on a dry land? Does it go in right away? No. It'll run off, it'll flood, but it won't go down deep. And so you gotta prepare that parched land. You give it some water, and it gets more and more fertile to be able to take deep water down with it. And the land gets thirsty. Psalm 42 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? This reminded me when Bethany, my daughter Bethany, was uh, little. She would say, she would say, Mom, when am I going to see Jesus? When am I going to see Jesus? I want to see Jesus. And sometimes she would have tears. She's like, I just want to see Jesus. When am I going to see Jesus? And I think that's part of us being like a little child. When am I going to see Jesus? When am I going to see the move of God? When am I going to see his presence? Sorry. Be like a little child. I cried a lot last night doing this. I was hoping that that would get all out and I wouldn't cry today. I like this passage. <laughs> Psalm 63, 1 to 8. This is, um, David wrote this when he fled from, when he was king, and he fled from uh, Jerusalem because his son Absalom uh, was trying to uh, usurp him and become king. And so David fled, and he was in the desert of Judah. Um, he had people around him, but he fled, and he was in the desert of Judah. And he was away from the presence of God, because the presence of God dwelled in the temple. And he was away from the presence of God, tangible presence of God. And he cried out, and he said, You, God, 
are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life. Are we saying that, God, your love is better than life? I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I'm about to go on vacation to an all-inclusive resort, and I am going to eat the richest of foods. And I have been looking forward to that since this last summer. (laughs) And since I've been dieting and watching my food, or what I eat the last few weeks, and knowing that next week I've been saving it up, (laughs) I'm going to eat well. And when I'm there, I'm not going to diet. I am going to eat the richest of foods. Is God and his presence satisfying to you like the richest of foods? On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. When you wake up at night, do your, is your mind, does your mind go to the Lord? Before you fall asleep at night, is your mind on the Lord? When you wake up in the morning, is your mind on the Lord? Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. He protects us. We're like in his wings like a mother chick or hen with the little chicks with the birds. We're there. We're in his rest. We're in his peace. Verse 8, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Is this what the church is? Are we passionate for God? Are we on fire for him? When people outside look in, is this what they see? There's people in there full of fire and passion for the Lord, seeking him as if the richest of foods. I want to be that. I want to feel this way. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water. This is God uh, speaking through Isaiah. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. This is what we claim, that God will pour his water, his spirit, out on us who are thirsty on the dry ground. We claim that. I was, um, I haven't done a lot of reading about uh, revivals, spiritual awakenings, but I was um, reading about the uh, spiritual awakening in the Hebrides Islands, Scotland, if I'm saying that right. I'm just going to keep saying Hebrides. Um, in Scotland, back in 1949, and uh, 
they were people that were hungry for God. And there's, there's like one thing in common amongst all the revivals. They happen different places, different countries, different ways. The Spirit moves in different ways. But it's all people that are hungry. And this revival in the Hebrides started with these two older women. I'm just going to read um, to you a little bit of this. So there is a book, um, and I'm going to just give you some quotes from the book because it really stirred me up, and I just wanted to encourage you as well. It's written by Duncan Cam- Campbell, who was um, uh, one of the pastors that were involved, that got to be or involved in the, in the Hebrides. And uh, he says, this is how it began. Two old women, one of them 84 years old and the other 82, um, sorry, were greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their own parish. It was true that not a single young person attended public worship. Not a single young man or young woman went to church. They spent their day perhaps reading or walking, but the church was left out of the picture. And those two women were greatly concerned, and they made it a special matter of prayer. And this is the verse that gripped them. I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. That is the promise, they said. We believe that God is a covenant-keeping God who must be true to his covenant. And I thought that that was good. It's just a couple, I'm going to share with you a few more things, but just two people, and there were others too that were praying, but that were just so hungry for a move of God and for their people in their community. Not just for here, not just to feel the presence of God for us, But as I read on, it just spread. So it starts in one town, and um, and just a move breaks out as they were praying. And then they go outside, and people are just like walking up because the Spirit of God just moved within them and drew them there. And as people walked out and walked along the road, people were just on the side of the road crying out to God, confessing their sins, and calling out for the mercy of God. People were like going to the police station and confessing their crimes. And um, without anybody speaking anything to them, the presence of God was there. They weren't even in the church building And the presence of God was there. And we want to see change in our community. We want to see change in our region, in our country, in the world. Those faithful few that cry out and hunger to the Lord. Um, I want to give you a few quotes from Duncan Campbell from the book. I have not finished the book. I just read a few of the free pages, and I downloaded the book to finish reading it on my vacation. But he says, uh, revival is a going of God among his people and an awareness of God laying hold of the community. In revival, the fear of God lays hold upon the community, moving men and women who until then had no concern for spiritual things 
to seek after God. Um, there's a spirit of an expectancy and confidence in God, praying in confidence, and it spreads to other churches. Revival is a moving of God in the community, and suddenly the community becoming God conscious, conscious before a word is said by any man, representing any man, representing any special effort. It's not because you held a special revival meeting, which is really an evangelistic meeting, that it's because just the presence of God that comes. Prayer is the mighty weapon of the revival. Um, he said, a wave of revival swept the village. Opposition and spiritual death fled before the presence of the Lord of life. Here was demonstrated the power of prevailing prayer and that nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. But there had been indications of the working of the Holy Spirit. And here also God had his Daniels with their windows open toward Jerusalem, who long before the outbreak of the revival were encouraged to believe that days of spiritual refreshing were near at hand. And he said, uh, what have been the outstanding features of this movement? It was an awareness of God. Here are the words of one that felt the hand of God upon him. To someone that was there, they said, The grass beneath my feet and the rocks around me seem to cry, Flee to Christ for refuge. The supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit led many in this revival to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ before they came near to any meeting connected with the movement. I have no hesitation in saying that this awareness of God is the crying need of the church today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but this cannot be worked up by any human effort. It must come down. The second thing, there was deep conviction of sin, at times leading almost to despair. And three, there were also physical manifestations and people laying prostrate before the Lord. Um, but it is true to say that the Lewis and Harris revival in the Hebrides have experienced times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, and the wilderness has been made to rejoice and blossom as the rose. I want that. And I know that the Holy Spirit moves in different ways, so I don't even know what it would look like here. But I want whatever the Spirit has. So what do we do? We get hungry. How do we get hungry? When we stop eating junk, we get hungry for real food. And Christ is real food. So, like I said, the last two weeks... Part of Josie's biggest loser thing that she's doing. I'm eating healthier. I'm eating carrots and cucumbers and blueberries, cashews for lunch instead of a leftover slice of pizza. <laughs> I'm getting hungry for real food in the flesh because I'm eating less junk. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling healthier. Better things are flowing out of me. When we eat of Christ, Jesus, who is real food and real drink, we get hungry for him. Two years ago, when I became a pastor 
And I'm like, hey, you're a pastor now. You've got to get real. (laughs) You need to get rid of junk. And I kept, the Lord kept pruning things out of my life. And I stopped eating junk, and I was eating more real food. And I've just become hungrier and hungrier for the Lord and for what he has for us. And I just want to encourage all of you to get hungrier and hungrier with me. The more we're around hungry people, the more hungry we'll get too. The more we read of hungry people and listen to hungry people, the hungrier we'll get. The more we hear people talk about those good, rich foods, the hungrier we'll get, the more we'll salivate for what the Lord has for us. So that is what is on my heart. And I just want to encourage you to pursue the Lord with passion, with all that you have. Pursue him. Be hungry for him. Revelations twenty-two seventeen, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. You're thirsty for him. Joe, if you want to come up, I'm going to pray. So I'm going to pray. And as we're doing now, which I'm really excited about, we're going to have another song of worship. And then, and during that time of worship, if you want prayer for anything, if you just want to um, come up here or in where you're at, um, just pray and pour your heart out to the Lord. You're welcome to. But um, but Bree and I will at least be up here for prayer. If you want prayer, just come up to us. We're worshiping. It's okay. Just tap us and come up to us. Um, we want to pray with you. Um, and we'll pray with you for anything. If you want to pray for more hunger of the Lord, we'll pray with you for that. If you want to pray for healing or anything else or for someone else, please come to us in prayer. Um, when Joe is done with uh, leading us in that song, other music will play, and you're dismissed to go, but we'll keep praying for whoever wants prayer. Um, the other music plays overhead as well. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we're hungry for you. Our hearts cry out to you. We want more of you. And we know that there's more. We know that there's more than what we see. We've seen you move. We see you we've seen you move among us. We've seen you move in other places. Lord, we just ask for a spiritual awakening here. That you would grow us and that you would prune us. That you would plant us firmly by your river of life. That our roots would go down deep. That good fruit would grow from us. That we would bloom in season. That we would be constantly fed from your great river of life. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for coming. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for giving us life and that you're good food that feeds our soul, that your life runs in us. Your life is in our veins. 
Your very spirit dwells within us. Move within us, Holy Spirit. Stir up, fan those embers into flames that we would become all flame. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.